Welcome to the Sports Recovery Podcast. We have a great guest on the show today he, with a bachelor's degree in movement science and master's degree in exercise physiology. Justin Rothling Schofer is the founder of the Hockey Summit, an all-inclusive training camp for professional hockey players. And this camp utilizes the same techniques from his book, intent he's born and raised in edmonton alberta canada and now resides in new york city justin is a coach an author a speaker and i would add a little bit of a data nerd to the mix and he will attest to that justin is all about recovery for max performance and takes a unique stance on monitoring recovery we chat about recovery data points what you should start tracking and what you should stop tracking as well as the five stages of burnout and much more no further ado let's get into you're listening to the science of sports recovery podcast each week we explore how to recover more efficiently from training so you can work out harder and realize your full potential this is the science of sports recovery podcast Hey, Justin, great to have you on the podcast. It's awesome to be here, Jace. Thank you so much for uh, having me on. Um, it's awesome to be involved with people pushing the performance sector forward, and uh, you're doing an awesome job. So thanks so much for having me. Yeah, oh, no problem. So the we got a little bit of background on you on the intro, but that's more of the the what you do. I like to kind of get in the mind of why you came into this space. So what about recovery and kind of the data behind it um or even before we go there i mean what about strength and conditioning led you to where you are now yeah for sure so it it all started um at, in my playing career uh, i was never the biggest guy i was never the strongest guy I was never the fastest most talented um but what allowed me to play at the level that i did and and get as far as i did in uh, in college and uh, my first pro contract and everything else uh, in hockey was simply that I, I helped people and uh, was able to be coached uh, from the age of about 16 uh, by some very great uh, performance coaches. And they helped me fall in love with the strength and conditioning side of things yeah. and um, and the science that went into it and um, just figuring out how I could pull out every last ounce of potential that I had, um, even though I wasn't, again, the most God gifted, talented player out there. Yeah. Cool. So you're in the pros and then obviously now you do more of the coaching. How, how long was your career in the, in the pros and what led you to the coaching side of it? Yeah, it was just a cup of coffee in, uh, in the pros. I went from uh, my senior year, signed a PTO contract uh, in the American Hockey League, and from there went over right into the coaching space. I had an affinity for it, uh, God, right from my sophomore year of college. I just knew that this was a space I wanted to be in. I fell in love with it, like I mentioned, on my way up um, through the ranks because I had a lot of high-quality, great coaches that helped inspire and mentor me to want to help give back to um, other players, and so that's kind of where I led. And um, I, I always used myself as a guinea pig, uh, right through my entire career. Uh, yeah. Guys always thought that I was weird for hooking up myself to 
heart rate monitors and uh, when I was sleeping or then when I was uh, on the ice uh, to all my off-ice stuff to hooking up GPS trackers to prick my fingers, look at lactate levels and all of this stuff that I just, you know what, I can pull out every last potential in myself. Um, and as I started to do that, uh, obviously guys were like, hey, can you like try that on me? And, and as we started to do things differently, guys started to be like, man, I feel so much better than I ever have in my life. And so even as a, a player going through my last year, my junior and senior year of college um, in the NCAA, I was kind of acting as a player coach in any ways uh, yeah. with, the or with the experiments I was doing and um, kind of seeing where we could test the waters and, and kind of get that last little bit of performance edge out of us. Sure, sure. What, uh, what was the weirdest thing you did for recovery that everybody was like, man, that's never going to work? I mean, not that they said they would never work, but the weirdest thing was that I would actually like pee in a cup and uh, take a look at the ketones <laughs> to, see, <laughs> to see where I was at in terms of uh, hydration and, and everything after I was off the ice or especially going from the ice to the weight room um, and to help identify how much I needed to get take back in and what quantities and what the ratios were and yeah. All of these types of things that I was just like, I was just fascinated by it. I was absolutely hooked. Um, uh, the other thing that was weird is the guys always thought I was, cause I would sleep with Harvey Marlowe. So my roommates were just like, what are you doing? It was, <laughs> but, uh, I had a roommate on the baseball team. Another one yeah. was a wrestler and, uh, they, they just, they just, they could not wrap their head around it. But, um, as in the place that I am today, I get text messages from guys all the time. Just, I always knew you were weird, but man, has it paid off. And yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, it, I, I would have done it all the same again because I'm a nerd that way. You said at the beginning, I, I love numbers. I love data. I love figuring out ways in which we can optimize the human experience Yeah, from uh, both the way you perform and recover uh, and ultimately show up mentally uh, on a day in and day out basis. Yeah. yeah I, I can attest to the heart rate monitor. You get some weird looks. Um, I, I wear a heart rate monitor when I run and, you know, in the hot summer, you're running without a shirt on and uh, it's strapped right around a chest where a bra would go, you know, <laughs> so you get people yelling at you through the windows, just random things, but. <laughs> well, a great one here. So um, on that point is in, in the Florida summers, it's obviously the heat belting down on you and, um, yeah, we uh, we would train outside. So you'd train without a shirt on for hours upon hours. And uh, this was coming back on oh, what year was this? So it would have been 2013, 14. And uh, so you have a tan line, and that tan line goes across your back. Yeah, from the from the, uh, the strap. And yep. so I went back to the team, and uh, we were doing weigh-ins on first first day of training camp. And I take my shirt off and I'm walking away from somebody and goes, what did you do all summer? Like, to ask me if I got, it looks like you had a bra tan line. Yeah. It, uh, and it was just kind of a running joke from there on out. Like, where's yeah. JR's bra? Where's, where's his brassiere? All this stuff. So, yeah. yeah it was, uh, but yeah. to your point, that's, uh, that's, that was the uh, the pitfalls of uh, of science advancements, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, your own experiment at the cost of your own uh, uh, reputation or whatever. <laughs> my my, my friend, the butt of jokes. Yeah, <laughs> the butt of jokes. Um, 
one of my teammates in college, Nick Lawson, if he's listening, shout out to him. But uh, we had a contest one summer who could get the best heart rate monitor tan line. So uh, <laughs> who won that one? Um, he did because <laughs> he he was dedicated enough to go to the the beach and while he was just lounging around, he would wear his heart rate monitor so he could beat me. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, he cheated a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyways, we're here to talk more about t- than tan lines. So, <laughs> uh, let's get into the you know obviously you're a data nerd when it comes to recovery. Um, so over the years, what have you been like tracking? And what are some things that you've tracked before that aren't useful? And we'll get into what are kind of your main staples now. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So there's so much data out there now, everything from GPS to heart rate to blood pressure to HRV to respiration rates. And you can go down a rabbit hole very, very yeah. And um, between 2016 and 2018, I went down that rabbit hole very deep to the point where uh, I was counting the amount of accelerations or the number of accelerations in a game of hockey that players were taking to wow. the number of stops and starts to uh, change of directions to the average speeds, first period, second period, third period. Before I started actually correlating it over into the real world with entrepreneurs and executives. Yeah. However, what you start to find is this, is that you get over inundated with data. And uh, if you look at it a certain way, like anything, you can skew it to say, oh, you can tell a story. You can tell a story with the data so that it yeah. proves the point that you're looking for, or it proves a point of the way that you want it to go. And that's what you start to find is when you have so many data points that are maybe slightly correlated, uh, no matter what the R factor is or what the correlation coefficient is, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to a certain extent if you have 50 pieces of data that you're looking at because the math turns very convoluted very quickly. And for a regular Joe or um, even a pro athlete, I will argue to I'm blue in the face that you cannot create perfection. You can't. Life is unpredictable. Sport is unpredictable. For, for that matter, everything is unpredictable. Yeah. Except for how you're showing up every single day. And so we had to narrow it down to some of the best ones. What I started to find really quickly was when you're going out for a run, Jake, or you're going to play a hockey game, or you're going into a meeting with your biggest investors, you're not going in saying, oh, I'm going to hold back a little bit so that I can be better for tomorrow, or um, I'm, I'm going to go in and give it 93% of my best today. No, you're going in and you're going in to win. If you're a high-performing individual, if you want to show up and you're successful and no matter what it is you're doing, you're going in to win every single day. You're not going for a tie. You're not going to play for the loss. You're going to win. And so that is where all hold bars should be left alone. Go in and do what you do. And where the focus should actually be placed is in the recovery of the athlete, the recovery of the individual, the recovery of the person. And that's how you can optimize performance. It's not about being in the moment and saying, oh, your heart rate's too high. No, go, go play. We've had 23 other hours in the day or um, five other days in the week that we were able to prepare you for the moment that you're going in for. And that's the the mentality change that I've had to get a lot of my athletes, a lot of my um, corporate clients heads around is it's not just 
showing up the day of the game and going and playing. Or you hear the old quote that a lot of people used to talk about carb loading. I'm going to carb load the night before I go run a big race. Well, that's the best way to actually have your worst performance is yeah. to carb load the night before. And, 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 it, and all of these things that we traditionally thought we could just do the night before or the day of and we'd be good to go or monitor ourselves in, in run or in the event. It's a whole lead up to it. And how are we optimizing ourselves and what objects are we looking at? So yeah. it, it really became not so much about the actual event itself, but the recovery aspect. And that is where you can make the biggest gain in the performance measures that you see. Yeah. That, you bring up a good point of less data during the actual like performance is better. I know from my experience, my best races, well, I didn't wear a watch. I wasn't looking at the time. You know, it was all about what my body was doing, how I perceived what it was doing and where the competitors were, you know, and eventually I just like stopped caring what my body was doing. And I just <laughs> ran for the competition, you know, and I and I see this in you know, basketball players, you know, I would imagine the hockey players where maybe the first, you know, quarter or period they're going, they had a lot of running to do. And then they're like, Oh, I I'm spent, you know, but they're not focused on the now instead of like the past, you know, it's like, what more can you give right now in your sport in, you know, your, your boardroom, your meeting, your employees, rather than thinking about what's coming and what's behind you. It's, um, it's all about being present and knowing how you can drive forward. And you bring up a good point. One of my, uh, or a couple of my players, you know, would always say this is, Justin, where, where am I at today? Where am I at today? Like mid game. And it was just like, just go play guys. Forget about where you're at. Just go play. Yeah. Because guess what? Our head coach is going to be looking at us and with 10 minutes left in the game and down by one, do you think he's going to be keeping his best players off the ice? Not a chance. Yeah. Do you think coming into this season of if you're an executive and you're presenting and it's the biggest presentation that you have, but you have to get it done, that you're uh, not going to push a little bit harder to, to cross that line and yeah. to get it done well? Of course you are. It, it, it's, it, it's a no-brainer. So yeah. why are we going to limit you or hold you back there? I want you to empty the tank. I want you to go over the level that you think you're going to go because guess what the moment that you're completed i am going to work with you i'm going to teach you how to recover super maximally so that you can come back even better than what you just did you are surpassing barriers and that's what performance is all about we've gotten it completely backwards mm -hmm. we focus so much on the performance itself the physical work that's being done in the weight room in the uh, on the field of performance um, and I hear this all the time from the, from my executive clients that, uh, what, where should I get my heart rate when I'm, um, going for my runs? Where should I get my heart rate when I'm, uh, doing my, uh, boot camp classes? Where should I get my heart rate when I'm in my, uh, spin class on my Peloton? And it's yeah. like, guys, let's work to a maximal amount to find one number. And that one number I want to know is strain. That's all I want to know is where's your strain level at, at the, at once we're completed, where are we at? And then from there, that that helps us figure out what we're going to do for the rest of the day. Yeah. How much are we going to recover? How much sleep are we going to get? What is our routine like? What is our nighttime routine? What's our sleep hygiene look like? What are we doing from a supplementation standpoint? What are we doing from a morning routine standpoint? 
what are we doing from a nutritional standpoint? Are we increasing calories? Are we decreasing yeah. calories? I mean, at that point, for a lot of people, calories don't even matter either. It just becomes a matter of habit in terms of portion sizing and making sure we're getting the proper amount of portions in. It, it, it becomes so simple that it's one step after the next, after the next, and it literally becomes iterative as we start to learn the processes in which maximize performance and truly move the Yeah. Yeah. So you talked, you know, the one big metric is strain. And then I would imagine there's different metrics that you track on the recovery side, like how much sleep and quality and that kind of stuff. Um, but what goes into s- the strain metric? Yeah, that's a great, great, great question. So strain is a metric that's derived by uh, heart rate of heart rate and the time spent. And once we're able to understand the time total time spent in certain heart rates uh, with certain movement patterns, uh, because we're tracking all day. It, it's a 24 hour thing. You, if you are a, if you are looking for peak performance, you cannot just track for the hour that you're at your swim class. So you cannot track for just the hour, two hours that you're going for your, you know, how long the 19 miler took you, but <laughs> two hours. Say, what's that? Two hours. Two hours, two yeah. minutes, and thirty-seven seconds. There, there we go. I love it. You had to throw that in. But um, yeah, it, it, so that's what I'm saying. Is for that time, we're not just tracking that because that would be irresponsible. We were talking uh, off air before this started. You went right from there to go complete your basement. Well, there's more strain completing your basement potentially than was going on that run. Yeah. And so if we do not equate that or do not bring that into the equation, we're not going to be fully recovered, guaranteed, because we're not going to be taking the action steps based off of 12 strain mm-hmm. or a 14 strain versus a 19 strain with the rest of your day brought in. So yeah. you, as a, as a professional athlete, as an amateur, as a uh, corporate athlete, whatever you want to call yourself, you are a 24-hour athlete. Yeah. You have to be. There's no other way around it if you want to maximize performance. You have to be tracking everything you do in a very specific way. And yeah. with, with us, we nail it down to strain and we figure that out. Now, from a recovery standpoint, again, we break it into two areas. One is recovery overall, and that's broken into three metrics, which is HRV, resting heart rate, and sleep. And those three metrics ultimately are what determine everything because if you want to perform better, and if we want to just dwindle this down to the absolute bare ball, if you want to perform better, if you want to lose weight, if you want to gain weight, if you want to be happier, if you want to be more energetic, if you want to be more clear, you want to be more productive, you want to be more, uh, just a greater person to be around, what do you need to do? Sleep. Get better sleep. <laughs> Recover. <laughs> Get better sleep. And hands down. Hands down. Anybody wants to make immediate and drastic changes in the way they feel every single day? Get better sleep. It has been proven time and time and time again in studies. There was one. There was one at Harvard. There was one in Australia. There was one in London. It, you, you could pull out fifty different sleep studies. Yeah. Every single one of them shows that the better you sleep, the better quality sleep you get, the more focus you have, the more hygienic your sleep is. Yeah. The more productive you're going to be, the better you're going to recover. The less likely you are to get hurt. The less likely you are to get sick. The more you're the, the happier you are, the more fulfilled you are. All of these things, because sleep is so funny, the way it works in our neurological systems. And our brain is responsible for every hormone that's released. It's responsible for the way we think, for the way we act, responsible for the way 
in which we interpret information and ultimately respond to that information. And so when we think about it, if you were to go and sit in the sun or run a race outside and sweat a ton, what's the first thing you'd have to do? You'd have to replenish your body with some type of liquid, hydrate. But yet our brain, which is responsible for so much, and the only way to replenish that is to get sleep. But yet we live in a world that's sleep deprived. We wonder why we continually underperform. We wonder why we continually fall short of our, we wonder why we are continually living in this mentally unstable world full of uh, mental illness and depression and anxiety and all of these things that live within us. Yeah. But we're not taking the action steps and we're not focusing on the 1% that creates 90% of the change. Yeah. hundred percent. When I, when I work with um, college athletes, especially new college athletes, first thing I say is protect your sleep because it's so important. They're learning something you're in a new environment. I mean, you're in college, which is totally different from high school, living with your parents. And now you're trying to learn this sport at a higher level. Um, you have all these different stresses. Like if you're not sleeping at least nine hours, you're doing something wrong there. But um, but you talked about three uh, metrics, HRV, rest, resting heart rate, and sleep uh, as the recovery metrics. What is HRV? HRV, because I don't think a lot of people um, understand what that is. Yeah, so HRV is scientifically the number one indicator of the stress subconsciously and neurologically that your body is under. So if you've ever looked at a, if you're watching this on video, you're going to kind of see me do a little drawing here, but if you've ever seen an EKG, you've got the QRST wave. You've always got that, like, if you're watching, it goes beep, 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 beep. Yep. Beep, beep, on, a, on an EKG machine, um, or if you ever looked at it in the hospital or was watching a pulse, those heartbeats and the QRST waves are what we talk about one beat. And so that's the variability we want to look at. Now, when your body is stressed, when it's strained, when there's a lot going on, both physically and mentally, it, it, both, it both is um, present. Your body's number one goal is to keep you alive. And so those beats will start to become much more idealized. So they all look, and the reason that is, is because there's less variability. There's less um, freedom for them to come and go as they please. Why? Because we're highly stressed out neurologically. Our systems are like, we need to just hold up. We need to hit the pause button on all this freewheeling, and we need to just make sure the heart's beating. And so the beats become, those waves become identical. They become much less variable. So the HRV is going to go down. Your HRV level will drop. And that is a sign of fatigue, a sign of chronically overtraining. It's a sign of uh, that we're not getting enough water. It's a sign that we're not sleeping well enough. It's a sign that we have mental strain and stress in our life that is, again, neurologically going to hold us back and hinder us. And so that is, the HRV is a measure that allows us to say, hey, you know what? Something is going on that I need. Yeah. Now, on the flip side, when we are well-rested, well-hydrated, um, we're feeling good, there's not a lot of mental stress in our lives, we, we, maybe we meditate on a regular basis, the variability of those QRST waves is much greater. They're, uh, and it's milliseconds and, and very, very little difference in yeah. the naked eye, but maybe one's higher, maybe one's lower, maybe one's quicker, maybe one's slower. 
but they're going to be much more like think about when you're just like Connor McGregor, like the shoulder waggle. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like just freewheeling, very variable. And you feel good. You're not stressed out. You're not rigid. You're not tense. That's what the heart rate does as well. That's why heart rate variability is so, so important. Wow, the other one we talked about is resting heart rate, which is basically a measure of how low a heart rate gets over the yep. course of the day. And there's a lot of things that can come into play there. This is a bit of an older metric. Basically taking a look at, again, how low that heart rate gets uh, on any given point in time when we're sleeping. And uh, obviously the fitter you are, the lower it'll get. The stressed you are, the lower it'll get. The uh, deeper sleep you are, the lower it'll get. Yeah. All those types of things. Your fitness level, uh, genetically predisposition to higher or lower resting heart rate. But in general, it's another decent one to look at. So, and I know you use um, tech tools to kind of yeah. measure some of these. So if somebody's like, okay, I want to start. Uh, you've convinced me, Justin, to start you know, tracking these three metrics for recovery. Uh, how, how would they about go about that for sure so there's a lot of different tools out there and this is again why you can really go down a dark rabbit hole and i go yeah. back to the story when i was in college i had eight different pieces of technology i was using i was using a polar heart rate monitor for a chest strap wow. i was using a fitbit to track steps i was using it was called the check my level for hrv i was using uh, the uh, hrv zoning for the again the heart variability as well as the resting heart rate yeah i had like a, I had gadgets everywhere i had a sleep sonographer that i threw on my brain at night check brain waves and jaw movement like it was wild trust me yeah <laughs> and so um but where but again what i say is you always want it to be simple simpler the better and so uh, that's why i love the boot band uh will ahmed and i met a while back i started to test it when i was it, it, it's second in terms of rest and recovery that is such a big fan of it obviously there's again polar garmin the heart rate straps they are second to none for tracking heart rate and looking at that heart rate in performance but in terms of sleep recovery uh, hrv and those metrics nothing has beaten the root band like it is just heads and shoulders above everything else from uh, even the Fitbit that came out, the Apple Watch, the Polar Heart Rate, our Garmin, uh, the Aurora Ring. Again, all of these items just do not do justice with the weekend does for rest recovery, sure. which at the end of the day are the biggest metrics of what you have to do. Yeah. yeah. And for all your listeners out there, what I'll do is I'll send you a link uh, where you can put in the show notes that um, for, if they want to go down the world of group they can click on that and I get a nice little discount for themselves. Sure. Awesome. Yeah, I'll include that in the show notes. And if you're, um, you know, Googling it or, or whatever, it's W-H-O-O-P, whoop, band uh, there. So uh, now I have a, a question for you. You know, predominantly you've been, you know, in the NHL, AHL space, um, you know, yourself have been there in the hockey world. Now you're kind of in the, you know, executive um, performance world as well. Talk to me about the differences and in, in stresses and do you like the recovery techniques from each? Are they the same? Like if, if does a runner need to recover the same way as a hockey athlete or, you know, a, a CEO? How are those different? It, it, you asked a really great question and it all comes, the, the answer is, the, I, I will say the answer is yes. Because at the end of the day, our body doesn't know the difference between different types of stressors. It all it knows is that it's stress. 
So whether it's you say the neurological system, it's the sympathetic parasympathetic nervous system. Parasympathetic nervous system is that rest and digest, that cool, collected, like after you meditate type of feeling. That sympathetic nervous system is like fight or flight, like get ready to someone punches you in the face, you're you're ready to go. And so that's all the body knows is whether you're running, whether you're playing hockey, whether you're getting ready to go into a meeting, whether you're doing your spin class on a Tuesday afternoon uh, or a Wednesday morning, even before you go into the boardroom, it does not know the difference. And so rest and recovery in all of those facets, although it may be to a different elevated degree, yeah, it's all the same. And the strategies that, that we can implement are everywhere from soft tissue work, from a massage, to foam rolling, to long form yoga, to uh, meditation, to progressive muscular relaxation, deep breathing, to affirmations, positive affirmation breathing, a little bit of Wim Hof breathing, a cold, full body cold immersion, infrared light sun, steam room, again, sleep. These are just like a couple examples that are universal. This is, I think, the biggest fallacy that's out there is we try to, quote unquote, individualize things so heavily is that, oh, you're a hockey player. Well, you need to be in a steam room in this position uh, at this time of day. Uh, But if you're a basketball player, you need to be in a sauna and be in this position. And then if you're an entrepreneur... Um, just roll out your calves with the foam roller near the top. <laughs> like yeah. it, it's it's one of those things that why is it only specified for? Why do we think we need to do that? And a lot of times it's for a lot of the coaches out there, a lot of the the industries to try and create this niche for themselves and think that what they're doing is so different and so crazy and so yeah. great. When in actuality, let's go back to the science and what it's actually doing for the body. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to what the goal is, what the objective is, what the mission is. Yep. Once we figure that out, we start to realize that every single person is a human. Every single person has blood in and Soccer. I mean, unless Elon Musk brings something back from yeah. Mars, then <laughs> as far as I know, everybody's a human. We're all working together. And yeah. and so we all have these similarities. Now, someone's going to argue, are there slightly different things that we're going to, or better modalities based upon what you've just gone through, 100%. Yeah. However, the toolbox in which you can pull from is all the same. Are some things better in certain environments? 100%. If you've just done something extremely stressful, you've just run um, a, a marathon or just done an Ironman or just completed a hockey game, um, we, we want to do something that takes a lot of that stress, anxiety, and sympathetic nervous system of rah 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 away we want to be quiet we want to be mellow we want to be relaxed we want to again help you come out of that a little bit more effectively whereas if you've just done a workout or you're trying to get ready for one we're going to again do the recovery things a little bit differently and so these are all but again the toolbox is all the same and that i think is why coming over into the the entrepreneurial space the uh, executive space it's been such a shocker because a lot of these modalities they've never been privy to. They've never even thought about doing cold water immersion or they've never even thought about doing um, a uh, a deep breathing sequence or um, anything like that. Yeah. So that was getting their minds around that and starting to see these modalities that you know, professional athletes have been using for so long and that it is 
with them as well. Yeah. I think is the is the coolest piece. Yeah, hundred percent. No, there's there's a reason I didn't uh, name the podcast "Science of Running um, Recovery" because I'm like that doesn't make sense. Even though I'm a runner, uh, recovery for me is going to be the same as a hockey player or you know um, basketball player or football. I mean, it's all muscle recovery. It's all mental recovery. Uh, which I, you you touched on that a little bit, but I want to make sure that if you're listening, you caught this because too often, especially as athletes, I think it might be a little bit reversed in the executive world. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but as athletes, we typically think of, okay, I got to recover my muscles. I got to recover my muscles. But then sometimes that becomes such a discipline that we don't relax during it. You know, it becomes another part of working out and we're still in that game mode when we go to do our foam rolling and our, and our muscle, you know, recovery where we don't think about how much focus it took to run that marathon, to play, you know, that hour uh, basketball game or football game. And we don't think about recovering our mind the same way as our body. And I think in the executive Um, world it's more of ah man that was a lot of meetings you know so I need to I need to just put on some meditation or or something and get out of here but we don't think about hey you know a muscle massage can also alleviate that stress is that what you're kind of finding too you bring up a really great point Jace and the I can't tell you how many times I saw guys doing yoga and just muscling their way through it. Uh, we're going through this gentle yoga flow and they're dripping by the <laughs> and just trying to hold things beyond where they should have been held or trying to go at a pace in which is just way too fast. And it is. It, it's it's trying to bring you back down and again activate the parasympathetic nervous system that's gonna allow yourself to recover. Now on the executive side, what it's actually ironic what you start to find is that because you're so mentally fatigued, because you're so drained from long days, because you have to be on all the time. Like, think about this. Athlete has to be on for what? Hour and a half, two hours yeah. in a day. If they have to go in, practice, do these things. There's, there's hard lines in the sand. They know when they need to start, when they're done, and away you go. Yeah. From an executive and entrepreneur, there are no lines in the sand. You make the line. And so if you haven't clearly defined the lines first, it becomes very difficult because that two hours of performance that an athlete has to do turns into sometimes 10, 12, 14, 16 hours that you need to be on or as an executive or whatever space you're in as a corporate athlete. Yeah. Now, understanding that because you're so tired from just continually going, 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 it's too easy just to throw it to the side and say, ah, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. Well, later ends up being a month later, three months later, five years later. Yeah. All of a sudden, you look at yourself and go, how did I get here? You're stressed out. You're anxious. You don't sleep. You're, you go home and you're not the best version of you to your family. You've gained excess amounts of weight. You've got high uh, blood pressure. You're, all of these things are just out of whack, but we have focused on helping you come down because recovery, you don't think about recovery. You don't think about how you're looking after your body. Because you're performing 16 hours a day or 8 to 12 hours a day or even 6 to 10 hours a day in that executive space, you forget the actual implications and and work that we're doing that. Yeah. 
because that is still massively taxing on the body. Because remember what I said, the body doesn't know the difference between mental and physical stress. It just knows it is stress. The result is the same. Increased cortisol levels, increased anxiety levels, increased heart rate, increased blood pressure. Yeah. All of these things long-term chronically end up in bad situations. And so we need to find a way to break the chain. We need to, to find a way to give the body the alleviation and the, the recovery time that it needs. Biggest ways we are able to do that. Better sleep routines, better meditation, better sleep hygiene, better recovery modalities. All of these aspects of what we do to implement them into your life so that at the end of the day, you can be the version of you when it's game time, whether yeah. it's in the office or whether that's as an office. Yeah, you look at your how you view recovery, I think, needs to be shared more because I think it's going to blow some people's minds like, oh, yeah, I need to think about this almost more than what I'm doing for my workout. But um, I want to talk about burnout because it's a big topic, especially in the corporate world, but even in athletes, uh, you know, there's an old saying where I, I don't know if it's an old saying, but I've heard it before <laughs> that uh, the athletes that stay or stick with their sport um, you know, are the ones that make it to the pro levels, the ones that make it to at least very elite uh, levels. And they beat out people that are better than them because they just stick with it. And other people get burnt out and they stop. And you see this in sports world, you see this in corporate. Um, and I believe it has to do with recovery. So what like, what are some signs of that you might be reaching to that burnt out stage it's a, it's a great question really really good and um the big thing that we start to find is you 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 literally nailed it on the head um is we talk about consistency because consistency is ultimately what's going to determine whether we're successful or not mm -hmm. because at the end of the day being consistent and being able to show up day in and day out is what determines whether you're successful both in athletics or in um uh, in the business world in the office world and i i say there's five big signs of burnout five big ones and the first one is procrastination so literally to the point of self-sabotage where we procrastinate things that typically we wouldn't um yeah. i'm not going to go to the gym today or um I'll, I'll do that presentation later, or, uh, I, I'm just going to get five more minutes of sleep, or I'm just going to, uh, hit the snooze button and procrastinate on my day or whatever it might be. But procrastination is definitely number one, first, first sign of burnout. That if you start procrastinating things that typically were enjoyable to you or things that were seemingly, uh, simpler, that, that's definitely the first sign. Second is unable to focus. And a lot of people overuse this word focus. And I've got a little acronym I use. It's called follow one course until successful. What focus means is uh, a lot of people are like, well, it's when you're in the zone. No, it's just you're following one course. You're focused yeah. on what you're doing. But all of a sudden, when you get easily distracted, when you're going down one way and you all of a sudden veer off or start adding four or five things to your plate, you're just unable to focus. You're unable to have that clarity that allows you to move forward. It's yeah. another one of those sides of burnout. And it's gonna it's gonna absolutely terribly deteriorate your your productivity. It's gonna increase frustration. It's gonna increase 
the type of work you do, increase your errors, all of these types of things. So unable to focus is, is number two. Um, that feeling of demotivated, the feeling of being demotivated, of developing headache, um, not being able to feel like you're not seeing the right way. Those are all things, again, that add to that sense of burnout. Um, we quite often hear that motivation is what causes people to act, but it's actually the inverse is action leads to motivation. And yeah. so we're, if we're just doing things and we're not finding any of this motivation, to continue another sign of burnout um and then a fourth one is you're not even taking time to fill your perf- uh, your personal needs so that self-care time that time for just you things that you would have loved to do before whether it was read a book whether it was take your dog for a walk whether it was just sit quietly by yourself my, my guess is if you are experiencing burnout you haven't been doing those things anyways so it, it, the, the time of which you can sit to fill your soul they don't exist. They don't happen. So again, all things that we can keep track of um, uh, and, and to ultimately see what's happening. But physically, the number one thing we're going to start to see is struggling with sleep and restlessness. We're going to have a hard time falling asleep, even though we're so exhausted and tired. We're going to have to have a hard time having deep sleeps because our resting heart rate isn't getting as low. Our heart HRV is going to be much, um, much lower. And again, much more variable in between nights. It could be high one night, low yeah. one night, high one night, low one night. Um, we're, we could have restless leg syndrome. Our legs continue to move, continue to switch. Um, our mood and our irritability level is going to go through the roof, through the roof. Because again, we're not going to wake up with a restful um, quality sleep. You could sleep for 10, 12 hours a night and you wake up exhausted. So those are the signs of burnout um that that i've that i found everything from procrastination to the inability to focus to feeling demotivated um not looking after yourself doing the small personal things that you need to and then struggling with um with sleep and restlessness so somebody i would imagine that once they get to that number five um it kind of just really snowballs because then they're not getting that sleep um, quality, which is obviously one of the pillars of recovery here. But if somebody, so obviously, if you're listening to this, you're going to go get the whoop band and start tracking your sleep. But um, if somebody's like, it's, it, you know, it's coming now to me, but I haven't yet got it. How would I know if I had a deep sleep versus just not, you know, I, I, how would you sense that? Yeah, so it's a, it's a great question. And it's, to be honest, it's very hard because it becomes subjective. Um, but a good way to do this, and if you're not going to go track your sleep, if you're not going to go and uh, have some type of piece of technology or data, science tells us that we sleep in 90-minute cycles. And by sleeping in 90-minute cycles, we go through the stages of sleep, from light sleep to slow wave, slow wave sleep, right into REM sleep. Now, each cycle is not 30 minutes long. They're not created equal. There's, and again, it depends on the person, but light sleep could be 20 minutes long. Your slow wave sleep could be 40 minutes long mm-hmm. and your REM sleep could be 30 minutes long. It, it really depends on, on you, each person yeah. uh, over the course of the, the, the night. So if you know that you need to wake up at 6 a.m. in the morning, on average, we need five 90 minute cycles of sleep every single night. So that's seven and a half hours of sleep if you incorporate those five cycles in the course of any given night. We need to count backwards from 6 a.m. so that we know when we need to go to bed. 
And so if you counted backwards five 90 minute cycles from 6 a.m., yeah, you would say, okay, that's going to put me at me needing to go to bed at 1030. And that is going to give me the best quality, best chance to have the deepest sleep possible. And now, so is that falling asleep at 1030 or is that getting into bed at 1030? I was trying to fall asleep by 1030. So that so it was going into, this is why your sleep routine needs to be so on point. You need to make sure that the sleep routine you have starts at, it's called a reverse alarm. I, I implement that with all my clients. So the reverse alarm, say, would go off at 9.30. And now at 9.30, you now have given yourself an hour to go through the sleep routine that we would individualize and prepare for you so that come 10.30, you're sleeping, your anxiety's gone, you're able to just drift right off, get into that deep sleep and start going through those cycles. Another strategy that people can implement, uh, I call the uh, 73210 rule, which is seven hours plus of sleep every single night. That's the minimum. Three hours before you go to sleep, there's no no more food. It's simply simply water. That's what you're taking. It. Two hours before you go to sleep, there's no more work. So nothing that's going to stimulate you in that way. One hour before you go to sleep, there's no more blue light emissions. No more cell phone. No more computer. No more TV. It's, it's you're reading. You're meditating. You're talking with your significant other. Whatever it may be. Yeah. And that writing, journaling. And then the zero is no hitting snooze in the morning. No times that you hit snooze. You get right up when that alarm clock goes and you're ready to attack your day. If you are able to utilize that 90-minute increment rule, getting five on average every single night, plus implementing that 73210 rule, yeah. I guarantee you the quality of your sleeps are going to be going up exponentially every single night. You're going to start to notice the difference when you wake up. Awesome. Um, so I'm going to throw some curveballs at you on that. And then we'll, we'll wrap this up because I want to be respectful of your time here. But um, three hours, you said no food, no water. Or I mean, no food, only water. Hmm. Um, what about like some sort of sports drink or um, like flavored water is that gonna mess with sleep no, that's that's totally fine as long as there's no caffeination or anything any type of stimulant involved in it yep okay and then you said no blue light an hour before i have these uh fancy glasses here you've got the blue light emissions that nice. cut that out now are now is it okay if i wear those and either watch tv or look at my phone an hour before bed I would, I would come back to say no, because it's the habit we're trying to build because of the stimulation that's going to be going on. And so if we cut it out an hour before bed, because what's now going to happen is that show that you were watching or hanging out on social media or whatever it was that you were doing that was continually stimulating the brain is no longer going to be there because reading or writing or something to that effect, having a conversation with somebody rather than watching and having to create patterns and, and identification within your brain is different. And so it's going to give you a different reaction. Okay. So it's not necessarily the blue light that's bad. It's the stimulation that... Um... No, the blue light is definitely there too, but it's it's what comes with the blue light. Sure. It's computers, it's TVs, it's iPads, yep. it's tablets, it's cell phones. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Cool. Well, this has been uh, very value-packed. Um, so... Now, somebody's listening, um, I guarantee somebody's listening say, man, I need a more Justin in my life. Uh, where can they connect with you? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I'm very active on uh, both social media platforms of uh, Instagram and LinkedIn. Uh, and I'll give you my handles. You can put those in the show notes as well. Yep. But it's uh, at Justin Roth, R-O-E-T-H, uh, on Instagram. And then on LinkedIn, it's just my first and last name, Justin Roth and Chauffeur. So you'll want to definitely find a link to that because my name is extremely long. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, then, uh, and then the website, you can uh, book a call with me anywhere. Um, or any time that you want, uh, it's just own it.co. Okay. Um, and then who, who should connect with you? What type of yeah, person? So honestly, anybody looking to, to optimize the way that they're showing up, uh, it doesn't matter if you have a self trainer. It doesn't matter if you are not an athlete. It doesn't matter if, uh, you're an entrepreneur that is looking to lose weight as well. It's anybody who's looking to perform at a higher level, take their experience in which they're showing up day to day mm-hmm. and feeling better, feeling more aware, decrease the anxiety you're feeling, decrease that continual tired feeling and truly, for lack of a better word, own your days. Yeah, 100%. And um, just to be clear, you do uh, you, you do some like uh, performance writing plans, at, like as far as um, workout plans as well as recovery plans. Um, but if somebody has a coach, it's not like you're going to double dip there. You'd be on the recovery side. So you're going to um, be able to help them come to games, come to uh, practices, come to meetings and, and work better, closer to that 100%. You got it. We're going to help them tap into the 100% of who they are and what they can bring of their potential every single day. Awesome. Well, it was certainly a pleasure having you on the show, Justin, and uh, maybe sometime in the future, we'll have you back. Awesome, Jay. I look forward to it. Thank you so much for, uh, for the time today. All right, episode's over. If you found value in this episode, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. And if you haven't already yet subscribed, do so now so you don't miss any important topics in the coming week. And if you have any questions or suggestions for the show, please send them my way. I am most responsive on Instagram. That's at jcheese, J-A-E, cheese, like the food, or email me directly at jace, J-A-S-E, at scienceofsportsrecovery.com. Talk soon.